Remember that Pink song? Who doesn't? (laughs) (laughs) This is the True North Collective podcast, a gathering of unsugarcoated conversations on wellness created by the real-life documentation of everyday humans fearlessly finding their true north. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 8. Hi, I'm Rachel, a.k.a. Lottie. I talk to spirit guides. I have a survival backpack ready to go at all times, and I have a small obsession with miniatures. Hi, I'm Janelle. I post to social media when I'm lonely. I wax my toes. And sometimes I fart in public and blame it on kids. Hi, I'm Brooke. I'm amazing at tongue twisters. I love to old school roller skate. And I watch Family Guy almost every single night. And we are your host of the True North Collective podcast. Yeah. Okay, what are tongue twisters? So tongue twisters are anything that you have to say really fast or that have um, alliteration that are really difficult to say. Oh, like Peter Piper picked a pack, pick a pack, pack that one? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Or Rachel's clearly not going to talk Or how much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? Oh, you are good. Okay, have a really good one. one. Um, well, I'm going to ask you to do this one first. Okay. Say red, leather, yellow, leather three oh times. Mm. Oh, no. Red, leather, yellow, leather, red, yellow, leather, leather. <laughs> Red leather, yellow leather, red yellow leather, leather. Yeah, oh, shoot, You're so good. Wow. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. No, shoot, leather. That's a no, leather. Janelle. Wait, how did you learn that you could do this? Um, growing up, I was in drama, everything, uh, yeah, and so yeah, we would yeah, practice yeah. these. So okay. I have a really big one. You want to hear it? Yeah. Okay. Betty Balter bought some butter, but she said this butter's bitter. If I put it in my batter, it will make my batter bitter. So she bought some better butter, better than the bitter butter, and she put it in her batter, and it made her batter better. Oh, my God. Dude, that is crazy. Do you think that that helped That's you a be one. a better actress? Hidden talent. I wouldn't say that I'm an actress. <laughs> no. But I was the lead in the high school. Well, there you go. Play. Ooh. Get it. So, yes. It I got me that role. My hidden talent is drawing upside down and backwards. Because at like the spaghetti factory or something, they come over. It's someplace like that. And they do it. The cheesecake factory? I, the no, sp- I think it's the spaghetti. What's spe- the spaghetti factor? The spaghetti factory? Isn't that the oh, thing? The spaghetti factory. <laughs> is that a thing? I think so. I think it is in Dallas. And then I think that they draw. Well, it must not be that. So one of the restaurants, the waitress or waiter will come up and then they'll be like, I'm Rachel. And then they'll draw their name oh, upside yes. down and backwards. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I do. So I was so I was so fascinated by it that I was in AP English Lit and I didn't, I don't know why I was in that class. And so I taught myself how to do that. I'm going to need to see that later. I could do it right now. Okay, you know, good. While we talk. <laughs> <laughs> Janelle, did you have to do that for your pageants? Right upside down. No, <laughs> tongue twisters. <laughs> oh, tongue twisters? No. You just had to be well-spoken and slightly robotic. And slightly robotic. <laughs> like just kidding. That's pretty good, right? That's mad exactly. skill. So she just did it, and I didn't realize what you were talking about. I know. That's Literally, you could give me any word. When I was in college, you could give me any word, and I could do it. 
It was like my drunken trick. How long did you take to learn that? My entire semester, like the whole AP English lit. Like I was just in the back, just like practicing. S is very difficult. And what what grade did you get in AP English? I got an A. There you go, sister. (laughs) Killing two birds with one stone. For real. Oh my gosh. Um, Janelle, how are you doing out there in California? I'm good. Living California life. Just been chilling at the beach. Drinking wine on the beach. That's nice. Biking to the beach. I'm trying really hard to be better about living here and taking advantage of things. And September here is like July back home. So it feels like we just hit summer. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. It's finally hot. Weird. Is that mm-hmm. always how it is? Oh, yeah, I think so. Ish. That's so weird. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's super hot in October, too. October has been my favorite month every time I moved here. Interesting. I It's very hot here. I don't like it. We've been going to the beach, too, here in, here have, in Dallas. Yeah. Every day. Every day. Every day. I feel like I'm at the beach right now. <laughs> yeah. Where are it's you? shark season. It's what? Shark season, though. That's horrendous that that's a thing. Jaws 2 is on last mm-hmm. night. Yeah. <laughs> yep. There I go. That's what I was trying to do. I just... <laughs> <laughs> it was my own. That's like yours was real upbeat. Like you would be happy if the shark, <laughs> <laughs> the shark was coming. <laughs> that are whales. You gotta watch out for whales when you're paddleboarding and That'd seals. They try to jump on your board. Mm-mm. So when Janelle and I was it this year when you were doing the that foghorn thing. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, not foghorn. The Blow air horn. Air horn. You <laughs> don't can't it. do it. She's so bad at it. Try it. <laughs> Just making Every the sound time. of it? Do it. Every time. I can't. It's like. <laughs> I, I can't. You get in my. I can't. It's my There's so much pressure. I just can't. It'll, I'll try to bring it out naturally through conversation. <laughs> okay, I'm going to do it. Burr, 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 burr. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I uh. know. Oh, my God. So, tomorrow's Friday the 13th. Can't wait. It's going to be It's a full moon tonight, Full moon. Right? Yeah. Full moon tomorrow night. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be good. That is crazy. No wonder I've been being weird. Extra weird. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I'm drunk, even though I'm not drinking. I don't know if you ever have that. You just feel like so loopy and out of it. And yeah. just that's how I've been lately. Yeah, I know that one. Mm-hmm. Me too. Especially that's... in this heat. Yeah. Just like can't get away from it. I'm feeling it. Where are you going next week, Janelle? Yosemite. Have you ever going been? To... Uh, kind of. We drove a little bit into the park last time we were at mammoth lakes mm-hmm. and uh, this time will be my first real time and we're gonna hike half dome shoot oh is um, that that's what you were talking to me about mm-hmm. that people die on it someone just died on it and they kept it open yeah i mean it's just happens is it so how does it compare to angel's landing I've been reading, and I was told that Angel Landing was 
scarier, but I think Half Dome is more strenuous because essentially you're on this big piece of granite and then it's not a 90 degree angle, but it's a very, very steep angle and you climb it and you have to hold on. They put chains on it. They call it the chain section. And it's a, I mean, it's a 17 mile hike in all, but the middle of the hike is a chain section and you have to hold on to the chains. Yeah. Otherwise, I mean, you probably will fall. And then they put a bunch of two by fours on it. And so there's two by fours every 10 ish feet that kind of allow you to rest and have something to put your feet on, but otherwise you're pretty much just going up the side of a big piece of granite. Dude, do people, um, like, hook on or anything? They say you can, but a lot of people don't. Yeah. Some people so, bring it. I mean, the girl that fell, she was hooking herself on. and then Really? She, and then I think she just wasn't at that uh, point. Please be careful. I know. No, I was not that nervous because I'm like, we've done Angel's Landing, yeah. whatever. Now I'm actually kind of a little bit more scared, yeah. but we'll see. Yeah. Gotta live a little, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, trust your gut when you're up there. Yeah. I mean, it started, I think in that situation, what I read, it started raining a little bit. Yeah. And that, I mean, they tell you if you they you think it's going to rain at all, they're like, don't go up because it gets so slippery. Totally. So. When, when we did Ragnar in Zion, we, have you heard of Angel's Landing? Mm-hmm. It, so we did that. Okay. It was crazy. There was people like swinging on trees outside of the. We were like, "What the fuck mm-hmm. are you doing?" Mm-hmm. Like, it was crazy. How? Yeah. What, what length hike was that? That wasn't seventeen miles. No, no. Um, I think that was only five or six. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's different because I mean, Angel's Landing is you're on these very narrow paths, and then there's a drop off on both sides of you, and then Half Dome is longer. It's about 5,000 feet elevation gain, I think, in total Jeez. over the 17 miles. And then really the only, I don't want to say the only challenging part, but the only, I think, really scary part is the chains. And you could also do it and not go up on the chains. But, yeah. And did you really do half dome? I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, will you text me, like, before so that I can put all the good juju out there like, for you? Hey. About to climb. Yeah. <laughs> and after yeah. would be good. And after would be good too. <laughs> just yeah. before. Please. Hey, I'm about to go up. Seriously. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna just put all I'm gonna just play my little bowls. I'm just gonna be. Mm-mm, mm-hmm. That was all the re- good. That really was soothing. Can you do that again? Sure. <laughs> I smudged this face before we started. It's my little bowl Tony. Through the technology, it kind of sounds weird, too. It gets this, like, <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah. It sounded yeah. very sci-fi for a second. Sweet. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's introduce Brooke. One of hey, my Brooke. Fa- one of my hey. favorite peeps. Hey, hey, hey. Okay. So Brooke and I did meditation teacher training together. That's how I met her. And she was just a loud, boisterous little thing from Louisiana. She says really funny shit all the time. All of it. <laughs> and I'm always eating. And she's always eating. <laughs> um, so Brooke is a yoga and a meditation instructor. Um, she specifically teaches vinyasa, yin, and restorative yoga. And she is a writer and a mama. Yes, I am. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for having Welcome. me. Thanks, ladies. Yeah. I'm excited to be here. Good. We're excited to have you. So tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got 
to being here today, not necessarily on this podcast, but right, yeah. in your life. All of the things that you just mentioned, um, the loud, boisterous, exciting, fun, those are really big parts of my personality. They always have been since I was a little kid. Um, I used to be called Brave Brooke around the neighborhood. I would climb the highest trees. I would swim through the bayous. I would make everybody jump off of their roof. You swim I, through bayous? Yeah, we would grab alligators. and Stop! Oh, my and, God. <laughs> okay, that should have been an interesting baby, fact. Baby alligators. Okay, I don't care. <laughs> and we would put them in, um, there was this guy, his name was Tukey Too. Of course it was. <laughs> we would get them and put them in the bathtub. Not at my house. My parents would have flipped, but I don't know where his mama was. But we were <laughs> able to do that there. So just kind of all sorts of things like that. Okay, wait. How do you capture an allig- a baby alligator? Well, he would grab them. By the tail? He, or the neck. Like from behind the neck so they don't reach around and oh, okay. bite you. Aren't they fast? The tail's not safe. <sighs> Tukey can do it. Tukey can do it. It's been in the bayou. You know about it. He knows what's up. This is so impressive. I ran into a cow hiking the other day, and I thought it was going to charge me, and I didn't know what to do. Well, this <laughs> is a cow. <laughs> my daughter last weekend was. We were at the lake, and I was like, "Go outside and find something to do." And she looked at me like I had four heads, and so. I expounded and I said, go find three things that are from here and make sure one of them's alive. And she was, <laughs> she, <laughs> she was not having it. That's all I did was catch it. All, I mean, I could catch anything. It's so funny. So I spent a lot of my time doing that. Uh, grew up, just loved music, loved to dance. Um, just kind of barreling through life. Not one shred of self-awareness that I remember. And that was fine, but I I also at the same time kind of built up a lot of armor, a lot of protection, um, always had my guard up. That was just kind of how I operated. Um, Easily aggravated or angered. I wouldn't, I could fight with you. I know that one. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. A verbal... um, Spar is right up my a alley. Specialty? <laughs> it's a specialty of mine. Alligator catching and verbal, what did you say? Sparring. 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 <laughs> and I'm good at it too. <laughs> so um, it can be a little intimidating. But uh, my daughter, who is now nine, um, she we had her first, obviously. And then I was pregnant with my son, who will be seven next week. And it's a very long story for another time, but essentially we found out over the course of a very tumultuous two months that he would have a heart defect, that he would have open heart surgery, or that he would need open heart surgery, um, and that he would have Down syndrome. And he was born, had open heart surgery at 11 weeks old, which was really traumatic. And, And then kind of that little phase was done but it it just changed every single part of my life when I found out he had Down syndrome that kind of questions every single thing I knew and that's again a story for another time it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me now but it just turned my life upside down and then at 13 months old he was diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia and we ended up moving to St. Jude in Memphis lived there for a year 
And that's when everything changed for me. Not in the moment, but that's when it started. I was just in the depths of despair. He was immunosuppressed, so we weren't allowed to, he had to wear a mask. He had to wear a plastic cover. Um, my daughter couldn't be near him. We were in the hospital. I was administering drugs. He was so, so, so sick. And it was just an awful, awful situation. And I'd practiced yoga uh, for several years, but I wasn't currently practicing, of course. And I just kind of came to this place where I did not know what to do. And I found a book by Pema Chodron, and um, it changed my life. She's a Buddhist monk. And everything she was saying, I thought she was speaking to me. And I was obsessed. And I said, I will do anything that this woman says. And what she says is to meditate (laughs) very, (laughs) very strictly. Uh And so I tested it out. And I didn't know at the time that that's one of the hardest ways to meditate mm-hmm. is the the Buddhist route. There's a lot of rules and you have to sit up straight and you have to look a certain way and you have to do certain things. But it was really good for me because it got me into the practice and it gave me rules. I needed that um, guidance. And so I kind of started there. And over the course of the past seven years, it's evolved from that moment. And it has taken on a life of its own. I have experienced change on change on change on change just from this small act of meditating five minutes a day. I now meditate at least two hours a day if I can, and and I'm addicted to it. I'm going to go sit on my mat for any and everything. In between then and now, I quit drinking. I picked my yoga practice back up. I became a yoga instructor. I did the training, meditation training with you. And just really experienced a lot in my personal life that I was able to see how the shift in my life had occurred. Mm. I started to prioritize myself rather than what was happening on the outside. And that was a really hard thing to do. The first few years were essentially just dropping conditioning and patterning. I grew up in a very conservative house. My parents are very, very, very Christian. And so just giving myself permission to explore what I wanted. I'd always had curiosity. And so it's been an interesting path, and it's still a path. I'm still a student. I still have trials and tribulations, but I've never been happier. I've never had more freedom. I'm now teaching, you know, 10 classes a week, doing everything I want to do. And it's all because of that one moment in life that I just kept persistently seeking and feeling the benefits of all of the things I was doing in my life. And so I found that ease. I found that calm side of myself. And now in this place, seven years later, it's really fun to bring back in that fun, boisterous side and be the paradox. It was hard at first. I couldn't balance the two. I was like, well, I need to go over to this extreme. And that didn't feel right either. I'm not a monk sitting in the woods, you know, (laughs) oming. And that was weird. So now it's just a really, I can balance it really well. And I actually teach from that space. Mm -hmm. I I cuss like a sailor. I tell you how I yell at my kids. I tell you, it's real. It's human. And then all of the tools, all of the studies that I've done, all of the um, training that I've had kind of just has helped me manage being a human. Yeah. Unapologetically. Yeah. I have found so much in my own conversations with clients that I have and things that I do that the most um, 
impressive or like the people, the, the guides that are the most impactful are the ones who are so open about the work that they're doing themselves too. It's, and which is so crazy. I'm always like, why did, would anyone want to know that like I threw a calendar across the room last week and like, they're really going to trust me that I know what the fuck I'm doing. And there's a humanness to it. Mm-hmm. There's like a relate a relatability in, oh yeah, I have permission to, you know, still be in progress and still be learning. And I see how awesome I think you are as a guide. And I also see that it's okay to be the contrast. Mm-hmm. And so I have found that um, to be so fascinating to me that people actually don't want to be guided by people who have it all together and are per- like perfectly in a bow. Nobody trusts it. Or putting on a front that they are. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I find the same thing and it really connects me to my students, to my clients. And it's important because I feel like the voices out here and, and you know, the wellness industry, the meditation industry, the mindfulness industry, yoga industry, it's just exploding. But the, a lot of the things you aren't hearing are this shit is hard. Yeah. It's brutal. It's gut wrenching, heartbreaking, lay on your meditation mat, sobbing hard. Because if you're willing to do the work that I've been doing, that I know you've done, that a lot of people in our circle have done, it is not for the faint of heart. And so to share, when people are showing up to, to yoga often and definitely to meditation classes, usually they're seeking something. They're wanting something. And I'm not going to lie to you and say that it's easy. I will tell you the truth that it's inside of you and it's absolutely nowhere else. Yeah. But if you're looking inside, you're going to see all of the dirty, dirty, dirty shit that you came with. And are you willing to look? And I think that's a really important message because it's not all butterflies and unicorns. It's quite the opposite of that, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Janelle, what were you saying to me the other day? You were like... I seriously think that deep down inside I'm actually fucked up. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, sister, we all are. Totally. We all are and we Pretty all are. Pretty much aren't. a direct quote. It's like, we looked and we saw. <laughs> oh shit. Oh shit. I told my husband the other day I was driving and I was just had rage. It just overcame me and I'm just like, feel your feelings, you know, put on nine inch nails and feel your feelings. And I said, um, I had to check my eyes in the rear view mirror because I was like, are they going to be red? <laughs> because I feel so <laughs> insane. Uh-huh. And I was just witnessing myself. And I was, at the same time that I was raging, I was thinking, you let it out, baby girl. Mm-hmm. Like, let it out. I love you. You let it out, let it out, let it out. And, and I said, it felt so good. It yeah. felt so raw. I don't know. I, I know where it came from. I figured yeah. that out. <clears throat> but and that's whoa yeah well and what I love to what I have gotten from you from our time together well lots of stuff but when for the rest of my life whenever I am like the inner hate voice comes out I will hear your voice going baby girl baby girl (laughs) baby girl like every time and I just love how much you embrace like I'm going to fucking turn up nine inch nails right now. And I'm going to, my eyes might be fully black and red. And baby girl, you do you. Like, I just love and that. I'm, I'm <laughs> rubbing myself. I'm just soothing myself. It's so good. I mean, it's the paradox, right? Yeah. It's like you can hold space for yourself. Yes. And that was yeah. a lesson that took me a long time to learn because there was so much 
self-doubt and so much, you know, that feeling of unworthiness we all have or feeling that you're doing it wrong or that you've, you're bad or you're not lovable and you got to do the work. You got to do it. Mm -hmm. You got to do it for yourself. Nobody's going to magically show up and fix all that. No. And so that's why I do it. Yeah. And it's funny too how like, I mean, when you... It's interesting because you like find your people. Like I feel like I have such a support system now. And I've told you before, you know, five years ago when I had, if I would have been going through some of the struggles that I am now, I would have felt just so alone and it was paralyzing. And now I have like at least 10 numbers that I can call of people who will totally hold a beautiful space for me. And that allows me to be able to show up in the world you know, as if I have it figured out. And so it's good to remember too, that like finding that support system so that you have that way to process Mm -hmm. means that you do, you are able to show up in the world almost like you got it figured out, but there's so much that happens like behind closed doors behind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm so (laughs) glad you brought that up because I have that conversation almost verbatim with my husband. You get all my crazy. Mm -hmm. And the same with all of my friends, with you. You know, when we meet every week, it's just like, let me tell you all of the things because a lot of people don't experience, everyone experiences the same things, but sometimes some people aren't necessarily on the same path. Yeah. <clears throat> and so when I find the friends that are on the same path, which we have this great community now, and we can say all the weird stuff. Yeah. You know, oh, I talked to my spirit guide and they said, and you know, and everybody's like, what'd they say? Yeah. How did you go on that journey? How did you go? What did you do? Did you get in the violet flame? You know, we can like talk about all these things. And um, what's your spirit animal? And, da, 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 yeah. da, and, and so to just, you know, like on Tuesday, I showed up with you and I said, I got this string I'm holding on to. I just don't want to let it go. You know, it was something I'd been dealing with and I was like, I'm just still holding on. And you said, well, what is it? And I was like, God damn it. Because Lottie always asks, what is it? And I'm like, I want you to tell me. (laughs) Like, I don't want to figure anything else out. Excuse me. But it's so powerful how you hold space for me. And you turn it around and you, excuse me, you do make me figure it out for myself. And the answer is always there because it's always inside. But you're absolutely right. People who can hold mirrors to you are vital in the process. Vital, vital, vital in the process. And there are the other people that show you your mirror that are equally important. They're different. They mm-hmm. kind of show you all your patterning yeah. and your habits yeah. and where you go when you're in a dark place. But the people that really show up for you, you can't do this work without them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny I too. I love that analogy. Yeah. Rachel, you are such a mirror. That is oh, so true. Anytime I, I know I need actual good advice and it's not that Rachel's even giving advice she's just making me own my shit (laughs) she does I'm gonna go to Rachel and she's gonna tell me what I already know without telling me anything she's gonna make me admit it to myself (laughs) that's what she does and I'm like my tail's between my legs and my head's down low and I'm like Rachel will you help me (laughs) I know Dylan's like what do you do I'm like it's a great question I (laughs) It's a superpower that I can't really explain. You just have to experience it. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, and I have to say it's, it's good to remember too that it doesn't always have to be, you know, healers or anything like Janelle, when I first met you, 
like you were that for me in a way that I'd never, I'd never experienced a friendship um, like yours. I mean, maybe ever, maybe since I was a kid. And oh, but you were able to just bring me to the table as much as I, I like to think that I do that for people and you were just being you. And so I don't know, it's, I guess why I call it out is that I think sometimes we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to have to be something, but all you have to do be is yourself. It's 100%. It's literally when I'm trying to be something, I'm not as good at it. You know, and Janelle, all you did was show up 100% as you. And like, I flourished in that space. And I think that I have the friends that I have now because of the modeling that I was able to experience with my friendship with you. And so it's, it's really, it's really cool. Once, once you start to open up and allow yourself to experience some of the scary stuff, it creates space for some of the opposite end of the spectrum amazing stuff too yeah. absolutely and that's so hard too because well, I was just telling Rachel this even I started a new job and I kind of joked but I was like hey I went out to dinner with my new co-workers and I showed them my real self and that was hard for me yes. <laughs> it took me two months to even do it and then I got back and I was like oh man they're gonna think I'm so dumb or whatever you know and you go through the whole like self-doubt but I'm like that took a lot for me to just show up at a dinner with coworkers and not suppress myself or try to be something that I wasn't, even though I feel like generally I can be pretty good at this, but it's like almost every time you meet someone, you have to make that vulnerable choice of showing up and being like, hey, this is actually me and hopefully you like it. And I guess if you don't, well, in this case, you hired me, so sucks. <laughs> you you gonna see me every day. <laughs> You gotta see me. So you better start liking it. So I hope you like it. It's so true though, because that's part of it. Is when you when you choose to show up as yourself, it's it can be painful when people don't want all of you. I have a lot of experience with that in my life of people wanting parts of me, or uh, you know, believing I'm strong so I don't need support, mm-hmm. or you know, just a lot of iterations of that. And just like you said about Janelle, my very best friend in the world, she thinks this shit is crazy. All the weird stuff. (laughs) But she's showed me that she will always be there. Always be there through thick and thin. And that I can show up through anything with her. And that's really that unconditional place that we all need. And the only way you get there is by doing it and mm-hmm. having some people run away mm-hmm. and some people stay. Yep. And it's like continuing to choose to do it even when the people run away. That's right. Because I swear there are people that want to meet you at that place. You just got to keep showing up. That's right. You have to keep showing up and they'll rise to you. The people yeah. will come yeah. that want to be there. And it is painful when people leave. But they, they do and they will. And... You can't change who you are yeah. for the people that that can't hold space for you. Yeah, totally. I've been playing right now with meditating on an, a concept that I really want, an intention that I really want to embody more. That is, um, I can be fully me while you are fully you. No matter. Who. So basically, what that means to me is a lot of times if somebody's having like a real 
um, heightened or low spot and I'm, I wasn't prepared for it, I can get really like pulled in out of like off my compass, off my like, um, access point. And I'm pre- I get sucked right into whatever they're experiencing. And now I'm totally disconnected from myself. And so recognizing that I can be fully me while you are experiencing both being fully you, no matter what that is, literally no matter what that is. And when I can hold that space, um, there's a different energy exchange. Mm. It's like, I don't know, people aren't reaching. They, they don't have any other place to go except back to themselves. And I'm just emanating love and they are able to do something different than they would have otherwise. Otherwise we're both going down the drama rabbit hole, which mm-hmm. sucks ass. It does. And I love that because I'll have a tendency to try to pull someone out. Like I'll yep. say, come with me. Yeah. This is so yeah. fun. We're, everything's okay. Everything's great. And yeah. I can show you these things yeah. and then we can communicate and yeah. we can be, we can do all these things. And we, all you have to do is just, you know, we can talk about it yeah. and you have to realize like, mm-mm. Mm-mm. no, that is not how people operate. No. You can't make people do anything and so backing off of that which is part of like that force that I talked about that I've always had you know backing off of the force and just allowing and saying you can be who you are and I'm gonna be who I am and it's such a different vibe yeah do you think it helped going through what you went through with your son because I know for me having gone through after having cancer Mm -hmm. So many people, I mean, that was a dark, that was some dark times. And so many people would just say to me, like, I just want you to be content. Not even happy. I just want you to be content. And they just, like, they wanted to pull me up so bad. And I could feel the deficit that they saw in me. And it was so hard. And so I know what it feels like for someone to try to, like, okay, how do I say it? It was like they were going to feel better if I was in a certain spot and I couldn't be there. And so I felt worse about it. And like, did you experience that at all when you were going through the stuff with Reed? And is that maybe why you understand on the flip side, not to expect anyone to be other than where they are? I immediate answer is no. Okay. <laughs> I have this, I believe that I have an energy that people don't really fuck with me in any yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and I don't mean that in a like I'm gonna mess with you. I mean it like everybody thinks I've got it. Mm. Um mm. I don't get a lot of the do you need help? What can I do? Chin up, cheer up. I don't I never have mm. gotten a lot of that. And I don't get a lot of any type of that type of energy. I, I don't know if maybe I don't allow it in my space. Yeah. But it's hard for me on that end because I would really like somebody to please come help me. And I've never really gotten that. It's kind of um, maybe just the vibe that I can take care of all of it. Mm -hmm. And I did that through cancer too. Um, I, of course, had more help than I could ask for. That's not what I'm talking about. I had people coming out of everywhere. I had a beautiful moment with my high school girlfriends where they showed up the one weekend that I was going to collapse. I couldn't do it anymore. And, and I did, I let them put me in bed and mm-hmm. like tuck me in. I, I couldn't do it anymore. But generally speaking, um, I'm kind of the one doing the, not trying to p- tell people to chin up, but like 
I'll try to draw you out, yeah. I guess. And so I have to be more cognizant of that. I think what the turning point for me more was with Down syndrome, this idea of what we're all supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And so when Reed, my son, was born with Down syndrome, it's like, well, let's start thinking about identity and labels and what we expect out of people and what we're, what our society cherishes and the same with cancer so cancer scares people don't people don't know what to do with special needs like don't know what to do and they're trying their best but what everybody wants everybody else to be is healthy and happy yeah. and functioning and highly cognitive and go to college and then get married and done it's like well okay what if that doesn't happen and Everybody always says, you know, I don't care if it's a boy or a girl as long as it's healthy. Mm-hmm. And I would go, well, what if it's not? Yeah. What are you going to do then? There, what is that not an option? And I learned really quickly that health is a privilege, a major privilege. And from what you're saying, I think people don't know what to, don't understand their privilege. And so when they come to you when you're ill and they're trying to get you to feel better, it's because it makes them feel better. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so I need to feel better, and it's only going to happen if you can just be happy right now. <laughs> help, me help me feel better about this situation. Feel better about your cancer. <laughs> yeah. A lot of that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so, yep. Yes. Uh-huh. So, so yeah, I, I see a lot of that. And that's just it's their shit. Yeah. I love what you bring up about identity... And like, I know we've talked a lot because the language has shifted and I always am like, what's the appropriate words and all these things. But I didn't realize what was possible for anyone with Down syndrome. And there's a lot possible. And like, I think that's like such a, I mean, it's an example that we, you know, there's not a lot of space to have the conversation, but it, there's so many parallels to just like me. Like I can remember like my own self, like the expectations for for what I could and couldn't do and um, what I should and shouldn't do. And, you know, it's, it is the same and it's different, but it's the same. And I know you and I have talked to about um, the expectations that you had for yourself and, you know, would you do the same things if, you know, you were given a different set of rules and, you know, not to like say that, anything needs to be any different because it's all perfect exactly you know how it's unfolding but it is a really interesting conversation um a beautiful conversation acknowledging allowing somebody the space to actually step into who they are versus who we think they should be 100 percent. yeah one of the things i learned with reed and and i'm a little bit of um I speak out of both sides of my mouth when it comes to read sometimes because I will say things that if other people said it, it would piss me off. (laughs) So what I'm going to say is kind of one of those things because when other people say it that don't know people with Down syndrome, it sounds patronizing. And it sounds like the whole, so, so sweet, Mm -hmm. such an angel on earth. I'm like, that dude is not an angel, (laughs) first of all. (laughs) Let's get that real clear. (laughs) But what what I wanted to say is that truly what is important to read are the things that we find through this journey of finding ourselves. He has so much joy. He is so loving. 
he is the life of the party. He no, he has emotions. He gets mad. He does all the all the human things. But what his focus is on is what he wants to do. How is Reed going to live? We say it's Reed's life and we're just living in it. And he's kind of got it right. He's not worried about school. He's not. He likes to read. He likes to do that stuff. But that's what he taught me is, okay, we have all these ideas of what we're supposed to accomplish, what we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to label ourselves as, how we're supposed to present ourselves to the world. How refreshing that you just can show up as who you are. Mm-hmm. That's badass. That's badass. Yeah, it is badass. Where's Reed? Why, I know why he needs to be to- here. <laughs> <laughs> All he would do is sing Old Town Road in this Perfect. microphone. He would I- love a mic. Yes. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. And it's so relatable. And I love, yeah, I love that he's been that gift for you and that I've been able to experience that through you. Like, it's such a gift that is, like, expanding beyond just your family. And that's really, yeah. really important. And I remind myself of that gift every morning when I'm dragging his ass to school <laughs> and he's walking like a snail. He's going, no walk, no walk today. I'm like, dude. There Must are some things nice. we do have to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, so I can, another thing I can really relate to is I'm 36 and totally shifted my career. And there are many times where I'm like, what, what if I'm 36? How do I actually think that I can like start over, quote unquote? And I know we've talked about what it looks like to basically discover your purpose later in life mm-hmm. and the wallowiness that can come with like, oh shit, I see all these other people that are like 23 and figuring it out before me. What has that experience been like for you? It's been the best experience of my life. I truly mean that because it's it's parallel with figuring out who I am. It all happens so organically when you're on this path. When you show up every day and you say, I'm going to choose what makes me happy. I'm not going to choose what they want. I'm not going to choose what expectations are of me. I'm not going to care what they think. Now it's hard and there's a lot, big learning curve there and you, and you can do it and then you don't do it and then you do it and then you doubt it and you stop and you start. But where I am in this current moment is everything I've wanted is manifesting. It's just opening and opening and opening and opening. And I know that's because of the internal work I did. So for me personally, I couldn't have gotten to this place before 38 years old. Yeah. And that's what I love about it. I I could not have envisioned this at 23. This is all exactly what it's supposed to be right now. Yeah. I can totally relate to that. And even to the extent of sometimes when I'm where I am, I recognize and I want to be further along. I recognize that I actually won't be there until my 40s. And I'm not supposed to be there yet and supposed to be right here experiencing this so that I could get to the point in my 40s where I'm doing whatever that thing is but I feel exactly the same like I needed to numb out all those years I needed to really fucking struggle Mm -hmm. and like have people think that I was being totally myself and to be like what the fuck are you seeing that I'm not like all of it in order for me to be able to hold the space that I can hold for people Like, I needed to go through all of it. Exactly. And then that makes you 
the relatable guide that we talked about. Yeah. You've been through it. Yeah. You're um, not just showing up because you read a book. Yeah. <laughs> You've experienced it. And I think what I see in our society a lot is just this desire to effort, to out busy, to struggle. Everybody is really kind of... <laughs> I'm going to edit myself here. I was going to say something a lot more inappropriate, but they kind of get off on that, you Mm -hmm. know? And there's this idea that let's outdo everybody, but the real deal comes when you just are with yourself, when you decide what you want for what you want. And by the way, yeah, I'm busy sometimes, but sometimes I'm not doing nothing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm just sitting there meditating or whatever, and it's beautiful. I don't have to prove anything to anybody. And sometimes when we let go, I'm a big clinger. I will just put an iron grip on everything, and I will swim up current and cling to the boulder. (laughs) And like, that's just my nature is like, let's make this harder. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I can do it. I can do it. Yeah. Let's make this as hard as humanly possible. <laughs> Let's hold on to that one thread and never let it go. God, I love that shit. I hate it, but I love it. Because that's just that's just what's innate in me from my childhood. But the letting go, and then you start to flow down the stream, and you're like, oh. Mm-hmm. This feels good. And everybody else is swimming upstream past you. And it's like, this is all you had to do. Let go. All you had to do was let the fucking motor go. <laughs> but I got it. <laughs> but I'm just so bad. It's so hard. And I find the more I'm, I'm getting into that space too, like you see the people swimming and you also just want to gently encourage them to float with you. But that doesn't work <laughs> either. They just look go. at you and they're like, you're the fucking idiot. Float the road. <laughs> and and Lottie's like, just meditating for them as, as she flies by and I'm going, come with me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just smiling. <laughs> exactly. And Lottie's going, you do you and you do you. You'll come when you're ready. And I'm like, get in the boat. <laughs> That's how I'm doing. I'm definitely the get in the boat person. And everyone's like, I mean, like, this is this like insane person that lost their mind and they don't know what they're talking about. And they're just floating in this boat down the river. And everyone's like, like, what's happening? Like, join me. Join me. Send yourself. Like Noah's Ark up in this river. (laughs) Oh, my God. I love Mm. you so much. Such good visuals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So is there ever a time where you like don't want to be in your life as it currently is? All the time. Okay, great. <laughs> yes, all the time. Um, again, it's that paradox. And this is such a fun conversation because I think a lot of us feel this way where you're, you, no matter how happy you are and and I think I feel it less so now but I still feel it because the fact of the matter is we have to go to the grocery store we have to pay our rent I have to feed my children you know I live with three other people that there are responsibilities and so there are always going to be those times when you wake up and you are like is this what we're doing like is this 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 is it and I don't feel that in lots and lots of moments of my life. But I do feel that a lot in like domesticity. 
in my home life. And it's another reason I love my husband because we just talk about it. I'm like, you know, this whole, like, we have to have a piece of paper. What What are we, what is, what are we even doing? You know? And he's like, I know. I mean, I'm glad that we decided to get a piece of paper together because what's, uh, you know, it's yeah. like you decide you're going to marry somebody at, we were 28, but some people do it even earlier. And then the idea is that you're going to grow old with them and everything, you're going to be madly in love with them forever and ever 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 and ever. And you also don't have eyeballs and you're not allowed to look at anybody else. You're not allowed to see anybody else. You're not allowed to experience anything. And um, the one thing I did... Uh, I did a lot of things right with my husband, but the best thing I did was I, I knew that he would give me um, space to be me. I knew that before. I picked very, very well, and he does. And so we get to have these conversations, and he's like, you know, he'll get upset over math homework. And he's like, can we just go live in a van in Montana? Like, why are we oh my God. doing all this Dream. math homework? Is that what this is all about? So we have fun. We get to explore that together. But there, it, anywhere there's monotony, anywhere there's cultural conditioning, anywhere there's expectation, anywhere there is an idea that everybody should be doing something, especially, you know, I don't, I don't roll with like the, what moms should do with their kids in school. Like, you're not going to see me room momming. And that's okay. I love a room mom. I'm just not going to be one. <laughs> and I don't think twice about it. And I see so many people that think they have to do that or they think they have to, their son has to play a certain sport or you have to do this. And I don't, I don't abide by any of that shit. Especially in Dallas. I mean, it's very, very much that way. I, I know people that I'm surrounded with because I've been with Dylan for almost six years and so, and I'm 36. I mean, I'm not a spring chicken. I'm not old, but I'm not a spring chicken. And people will be like, so, um, I mean, are you getting married? Like, they just don't get <laughs> Out it. Out of control. They'll be like, I, we don't understand. And then I'm like, we good. Like, yeah, eventually I want to celebrate what we have. And I love what you said about I picked well because my husband gives me the space to be who I am. Because that is something that I have with Dylan that I forget. Yeah. I forget how lucky I am to have, like... We all got our shit and, you know, there's a big age difference between us. And so, you know, he's coming up on, what happens at 30? Isn't Mercury, Saturn returns. So it's like a whole big thing. No, no idea. It's a, it's a big astrological thing. And so he's about to quote unquote, go through a big old shit storm. And (laughs) can't wait for that. Brace yourself. Can't wait. Um, Get in the boat, Dylan. (laughs) I'm just going to sit there and just smile at him. I'm just going to start saying that to people. <laughs> Get in Get the, the boat. boat. But anyways, it's a really good reminder that like we all have our shit and like thank God, thank goddess, thank goodness, thank mm-hmm. the universe that I found one who literally like I throw things across the room and he fucking loves me. Totally. I whipped Pat with my pants once yeah. before we were married. Just slapped, oh, slapped him with my pants. <laughs> and that's what they that's another thing that people don't tell you you know there there's all this idea that we just have to fake everything and we're just everything's perfect and everything's pretty and yes we curate social media I do too but like it's not real like I try to be honest on social media I, I I think that a curated life is really sad 
Um, my life is not curated. My life is raw and honest. And so when you pick well, you, what they don't tell you is even if you pick well, even if you love the person you're with, you are going to not like them or you are going to go through hard patches. And it might be hard patches in your marriage, but it might be that your kid has cancer. Yeah. Like what happened with you? What happened with my son? It might be that your kid's going to be born with special needs. You don't know. You do not know. Parents die, people die, car wrecks happen, illness happens. And so you're on this path together and you're going, I, I, I always say that we kind of, it's like, as long as you're going to the same destination. So sometimes we're in separate, separate cars and sometimes I'm going really fast. And then sometimes he goes fast and sometimes I barrel off the road into a ditch, you know, and maybe sometimes he'll stop and help me, but maybe sometimes he's like, save yourself. Uh-huh, yep. And then, and then a lot of times we're in the car together many times and we're listening to music and we're eating and it's awesome. And then, and then a lot of times we're not because we're individuals and we have a very clear understanding of that. And I think that's the, the, the best thing you can have. Mm-hmm. It's really all you can have. Yeah. yeah really? It's, it's really cool. I love talking to you about your relationship because there are parallels to, um, well, there's parallels between us, but mm-hmm. then there's also parallels to my relationship with Dylan. And it's a good reminder that what I have is special. And sometimes I can over-identify the current moment with forever. So I'm like, oh, well, we're not inspired right now, so this relationship is down the shitter. Like, <laughs> done. <laughs> we, we, we gotta, we gotta yeah. bail before, like, whatever. And and Dylan is much more like, we're, there's love here. Mm-hmm. Like, this mm-hmm. is just a moment in time, and I'll be like, oh, my God. And being able to have these conversations with you is, like, a good reminder that... Um, what we have is really solid and it doesn't have to look like what everybody else's looks like. And, um, and not that having the white picket fence with the, all the things is inauthentic. Cause that could be really authentic for, what, I, for 100%, some people. I agree with that. Yeah. 100%. So can be in room mom. So can any yeah, iteration totally. of anything, but it's like, I believe that truly. Yeah. And like, <clears throat> I had one of my really good friends from college came on the first season and that's what we talked about is like she actually was living this, you know, super independent woman lifestyle in the city and all she wanted mm-hmm. was the family with the white picket fence and um, she was embarrassed. Like, I, I don't know if she would have said she was embarrassed, but she didn't know how to own that and then when she finally did, she's so happy mm-hmm. and um, that was a cool moment for me too to recognize that I always say, like, I have such a rebel instinct and I don't want to do it the way everybody else is doing it. And there is a rebel instinct in actually want, actually wanting what society has said that we should want, too. It's like not just doing it because you're supposed to, but actually owning it for yourself. And so... Yeah, I think it's important to say, though, it's not just domesticity. It's not just this conditioning of marriage and children. That's what... That's what sometimes I struggle with, Mm -hmm. even though I deeply and desperately love my people. They're the best crew in the world. I think, I think it can be anything. So it could be somebody's career path. It could be somebody's spiritual path. It could be somebody's health and wellness. Mm -hmm. It could be, we all have something I think that we butt up against is, and mine happens to be that routine, mundane, monotony thing that comes along with um, really motherhood more than marriage. Mm-hmm. And, and I've come out of it now. That's really early motherhood. And I've come out of that. 
um, as my children have gotten older and I've found myself in a great place now, but we all have something that we kind of want to run away from. Yeah. I think I've just traveled around the life wheel. Totally. (laughs) I kind of want to run away from all of it. I just, every year is like a different something else chunk that I'm like... I'm not going to do it fucking mm-hmm. that way. I'm going to, what is my way? Right. So, and yeah. we're also plugged in and the new, and you're just assaulted with news. You're assaulted with this. Yeah. We're supposed to be doing all this stuff all the time. And don't we all just want to unplug and run away yeah. sometimes? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> all the time. All, all the time. time. <laughs> it's too much. It's too much. It's totally And so much. I I think what I work on a lot is my, is protecting my energy. I will protect my energy from people. Um, I will protect my energy from places. I say no. I have no zero problem saying no. But also protecting my energy on social media. Um, that's part of our life now. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it, clearing your feed, um, not following certain people, even if they're totally lovely. Mm-hmm. If you get that mm-hmm. feeling yeah. more than once, yeah. boop, unfollow. This is why you're one of my teachers. You, you don't have to yep. explain it to yourself. Something in there is making you feel that way if you don't want to see something if you don't want to have that online relationship don't yeah this year my word of the year is essential and that's what I've been like I have been wrestling with boundaries of all sorts saying no across physical mental energetic emotional you name it um what is the what are the essential things in my life that are you know hell yeses or whatnot and it sounds super easy, but when you really put it to practice, like, man, the shit has come up from from within mm-hmm. to show me what wants to fight to keep it there. And I like to think of myself as a really strong, independent person who, you know, can handle anything that's thrown my way. And when it comes to, like, my relationships with boundaries was is something that I am working on daily. Um, and playing with how am I creating a boundary in a way that isn't a defensive act it, that isn't like I have to protect myself from this thing because that puts me in that, that actually bounces me off out of myself. I'm not coming from a place of power then I'm coming from a place of like weakness Mm -hmm. and victim state. Um, but seeing that boundaries can actually be an act of love love for myself and And the other person yeah yeah and I've never played it like that's just not how my family like that concept is just totally brand new and is rocking my world rocking my world you're doing a great job though thank you (laughs) Mm -hmm. and boundaries are interesting because you have to start out small and you have to get used to setting a boundary and then when a boundary works it feels really good and Mm -hmm. then you're you've you're compelled to do another one and I have to remember that as I teach that there's all different personalities and people who have uh, want to deal with all different things and people like things I don't like and have are content in places I'm not content. And sometimes I'll teach from my experience and I'll have to remember, well, that's not how they experience it. Some people really deal with this need to people please and they don't have, yeah. they don't want to have, have yeah. a voice and they don't feel comfortable standing up. And so I have to add that in because yeah. that's not my experience. I have weakness in other ways. My, I'm an expressor. There's repressors and <laughs> expressors, right? I kind of can go back and forth between both, but we all can. Mm-hmm. But we tend to be one or the other. And so we just have to f- figure out how we operate. And just as it's hard for you to come up and, 
and set those boundaries, it's hard for me to soften mm. and to let people in mm. and to not set too many boundaries. Yeah. I will set a boundary on you yeah. quick. I feel and, like and, and we have to, it's a, it's a constant challenge. And then, oh, maybe I set one or maybe I said something and how do I soften that now? Yeah. How can I back off of that now? Same challenge, different challenge, but same. Yeah. Yeah. Janelle, I feel like you're a strong boundaryer. I am. Yeah. Yeah. Have you always been? I don't know if I've always been. I think in my early 20s, though, just through my experiences, I was asked so much and I got to a breaking point and then I vowed to myself that I would never let myself get there again. Hmm. And a part of that was figuring out, okay, what are my boundaries then? When do I say no? When do I just let it go? When do I tell myself that it's okay? Because kind of similar to you and we were talking about the river, I will hold on to a boulder forever. Like, I mean, I did that until literally I was pretty much dead. And then I was like, you just can't do it. You you can't do it anymore. And learning that and saying, well, why did I do Like, why? I'm not going to do that again. And so when people ask things of me, like politely saying no, is something I've gotten really good at now. (laughs) Because you can't do it all. And I don't want to do it all. And I've also learned, like, there are a lot of things I don't care about, and not in a mean way, but I just don't, so why am I wasting my time with it? If someone else really cares about it, great for them. They can focus on it, but I view my energy as very precious to me, and I don't like to waste it, so yeah. I love that. Are you a knower with a period? I love this question. Like, you know, everybody, <laughs> everybody, as you learn to say no, you have to say no, but no, because no, because I really, I would really like to, but I can't do it today. And then you finally learn no is a complete sentence. So how is that for you? It depends where I am. Yeah. I think in, in my strong relationships where I know people that will, that people will take my intent as I'm doing it for me and I still love you. I can just say no period. Mm. I think in places like work, I still have a hard time sometimes doing that when people ask me because I do want to be helpful. And I think I, I connect a lot with being soft because it's so funny. I view myself as, yes, a confident person. But when people say things to me like, oh, you have a big personality or they view me as intimidating. That is so weird to me. <laughs> I, me I, that's like just not how I view myself, which is funny. Same. Um, but knowing that other people can view it that way, I feel like in the back of my head, I'm always like, okay, I, I want to say no, but I don't want to do it in a way that's going to make someone else feel bad. And that's not how I mean it. And sometimes I think that's also just setting up expectations. When people meet me, it's like, hey, I'm pretty blunt. It's not you. <laughs> It's just sometimes how I am. Like, I'll be direct with you. I don't like to bullshit. This is what you're going to get. And if it really bothers you, you got to let me know. But it's still going to be my natural tendency. (laughs) Yeah, I relate to that so much. And that's part of the process. You know, some people have to learn to speak up and some of us have to learn to tone down. And that's part of the process of saying, like, how can I soften this? And work's universally difficult. People are paying you. So right. you're not going to be exactly. like, nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. Period. I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm a big yes person at work, right? I mean, that's, advi- that's advisable. Like, that's nope. advisable. But, but learning, I've had to learn how people see me. 
and that I can come across as brusque. And so it's like, how can I lob this? How can I soften this? As my husband says, how could you be more diplomatic? And that's not a bad thing. That's not letting go of who you are. I think it's learning to respect who other people are. Hmm. Yeah. I like that. And it's that balance, though, too. Yeah, it's such a balance. You can always say, well, that's me. That's me. But it is. It's also, okay, well, if you're just going to... You want to be you unapologetically, but at the same time, that isn't necessarily realistic to in all areas right like at the core you want to be you unapologetically but if you do that you also potentially alienate a lot of other people out of your life if you're not willing to flex at all totally i always have a hard time with that i think (laughs) that's kind of where strong enough is this the hill i want to die on or does it is it fine (laughs) I, i think that's such a good point because that's where i'm i think i'm kind of figuring that out because it's like well, this is me. Well, somebody might think you're a dick, right? Like, you're (laughs) going to show up and be you. Well, good luck with that. But truly through doing the work, I've found that we are all these versions. When you're truly you and you honor yourself, then you honor other people. So when I soften for one person and not another, it's same, same. I'm not sacrificing anything. What I'm doing is I'm more aware now. I'm more aware of who I am so I can be more aware of who you are and I can do things differently here or differently there. And that's the parad that's, I'm so fascinated by paradox. Like you can be all these versions of people and it still be you. And people don't think that they can be people. We think we have to be one thing. You can be limitless things and it's all still you. Yeah. And what I love about this conversation, two things, one, I would categorically classify every single one of us as very strong humans. And I tend towards, you know, being, you know, my no is like a no because of da 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 da. And it is a lot more, it feels a lot more powerful to have a no period. Um, This year I really worked on being able to own the fact that I don't want to have kids and Mm. to not make it an excuse or like outsource that decision because of cancer. So before I'd be like, oh, I don't want to have kids because I don't really know if I can because of the treatments that I had. And that felt like it was more palatable for people. Mm. And I had a really brilliant friend be like, you need to figure out how to own that for yourself without that. And I was just like, shit, you're right. And, and so I'm learning that and you're learning how do I, you know, totally own who I am while also having a softness. And, and so it's not that, and it can be very easy to be like, oh, well, you know, you're not strong then because, you know, Rachel, you're not strong then because you can't, you know, stand up for yourself or whatever. And that's not true. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so what I love about it is all three of us has, have such a different expression of how we are able to show up in the world and be who we are in the world and own that for ourselves. And none of it is weak. All of it is strong. Just the fact that we're even having that conversation is an indicator that, 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 that we are strong. Um, and then the other piece that I've been playing with, because I, it's so funny because I, I'm the extreme too. It's like, I can literally throw a water bottle across a room and I have like Italian crazy in me. Um, but then I can also be really innocent and pure and like, like allow people to just come right on in and like take up whatever space they want. 
And so I've been playing with um, how do I show up as me without dishonoring the room without dishonoring the person across from me. So yeah, absolutely. I can be me. And I know when I'm doing that in a way that bulldozes somebody. And then that's actually not coming from a place of strength. That's coming from a place of wanting to control. Mm -hmm. And when I can recognize how do I be me in a way that honors the other people in the room, that is a different kind of, of way to show up. And, um, it usually causes me to slow way down because I have to really check in on like, okay, if I was going to say this in a way that honored my truth, but also didn't dishonor somebody else, how would I actually fucking say that? Yeah. <laughs> how would I actually do hard. that? It's like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to just be quiet for a second and figure out what that yes. actually is. I think if there's anything that I've learned, especially even starting my new job is I think people always expect us to have answers right away and remembering too that you don't have to respond right away you don't have to have an answer right away like you can simply just say hey that's a really great question I want to think about that and actually give you an answer that's well thought through rather than just speaking all the time or speaking to respond um so anyway I just thought that was interesting and it ties into this because I've been trying to do that a lot but then Again, that little voice in the back of my head. I'm like, oh, well, people are expecting you to have this clever response right away. And I'm like, no, I actually just listened to everything you said. And I truly listened to it. And now I want to take some time to actually think about what you said to me and and have a a response that I can stand behind and not just speak to speak. And then be like, why did you say that? That was silly. Or you came off in a certain way that you didn't even want to come off, you know, that way. So I love that. And I have struggled with that from other people before. It's such a beautiful thing. And it's finally like, well, maybe you should just learn how to do that, you know? Because I will be, when I'm in that place of wanting to control, I know there's pain behind that. There's something that doesn't feel good to me when I go into that wanting to control mode, which I can really go into easily. And, And I can get into a place where if you need that space, if you can't, communicate with me right now that's painful to me and a lot of that is just from stuff from my childhood it's very painful it can feel really close to betrayal for me in certain instances depending on who it is and I have learned that you know what I am perceiving is not what's really happening that the other person might not be able to say something or can't say something or needs time to think things through. And, and it's just been a really, really good lesson. And then in looking at myself, when I feel the need to control, when I feel the need to be validated, when I feel the need to have that information back, what's really happening with me. And I think the thing with every person who is strong and strength comes in so many different ways, as you so beautifully said, I think when we see people who are strong, people who have done the work, people who are looking at their shit and thinking things through what we don't see is again the behind the scenes and that's the pain and the sadness and the doubt that comes from questioning who you are if you're going to learn who you are you're going to question who you are and so it can be crippling I, I can be on the floor just the biggest mess you've ever seen in your life but that's how I get to the other side too and it's all just a balance of 
of learning from other people, learning from ourselves, learning from experiences, relationships, years of with the same person, meeting new people, it all ties in as long as we're looking at it and learning from it. Yeah. I love, I didn't know where this conversation was going to go today because we never do, but I love <laughs> the acknowledgement of like the contrast that we are. Yeah. And like you aren't, we aren't all one thing. Mm-hmm. Like we're all of it. <laughs> <laughs> and paying yep. attention when when we are at one pendulum swing and when we're at the other and when we're in the middle and when we're at like the 47.56 <laughs> degree mark, you know, it's like... And we're praying, going, yeah. is, this, is this close? Is this close? Is this right? Like, is this good vibration? I don't know. Oh like, baby me. girl, baby girl. Give me a sign. Baby girl. Baby girl. So true. <laughs> it's exactly what I was just Marco polling you about, Rachel. Oh, really? I, I haven't watched just, it yet. Yeah, well, remember I was saying... I'm like, you know, I consider myself a confident person and I exude it. And then somewhere deep inside of me, though, on all the way on the other side, I just I have this insecurity of rejection yeah. or moments where you hate yourself. And that's where I was like, I just think I'm fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> but and it's true. I mean, it speaks exactly to to this where it's like you're trying to put yourself in a, a category like you can't be both. I can't be confident and have it be truly me and then also have deeply rooted, you know, feelings of rejection and and it's just not true. I mean, that's yeah. that's how that's who we are. It is. We are all We're of all it. of it. And you get more of the confidence and the joy and the things, whatever the positive thing you're going for in your particular journey from looking at the so-called negative stuff. Mm-hmm. You, when you look at the stuff, the harder stuff, the good stuff gets better. Yeah. So there's more lower. I think I find that the lows are lower, but the highs are higher. And then you find as you work through your stuff, as you're willing to look, as you're willing to be honest with yourself, as you're willing to look at your feelings, crumple on the floor, hate yourself, hate everybody else, do all the things, you know, the whole gamut of whatever it is, then you work through it. Then you release a lot of it. And then you find yourself more in that space of the contentment and the the excitement and then your little kids start coming back and they start playing with you more and you start you know telling the jokes that you used to tell and it just then it then it all all the paradoxes start to come together in a way that makes sense yeah at least that's what I found it's I've been watching um Queer Eye for the Straight Guy oh I'm obsessed. I, cry. I can't quit I know, them. I know. <laughs> I can't quit them. Well, so I watched. So good. I watched Tan. one the other Love day. Them. Yeah. I watched one the other day with um, a guy who was a gangster. He was like legit, didn't think he was going to make it past 21. So, like, when he made it to 21, he was like celebrating being alive. And he ended up getting shot several times and was paralyzed from the waist down. And through the course of the episode, he he and the guy who shot him ended up going to jail and they actually agreed to meet. And he was able to share with the guy who shot him that as fucked up as it is, he getting shot saved his life. And it was like this such cool marriage of contrast and like seeing these two people being able to grow and connect and like thank each other and hug and like whoa it did not have to go there and I don't know it's just it's been I haven't been able to stop thinking about that um 
and it's true, like all of these things that we perceive to be so terrible and bad, if we can muster up the courage to just show up and actually face some of these things, there can be so much healing and, you know, good, or I don't want to like say good or bad, but there can be so much that can come from that if we just give it the space to do what it does. So totally agree. Yeah. So, okay. I have a question for you. Yeah. I thought that you were in recovery, but that is not what it is. So talk to me about the difference between like what you perceive the difference. Because I always think to myself, I'm, I don't want to drink, but I don't also don't think of myself as needing recovery necessarily. Right. So I can't speak a lot to recovery and alcoholism because that's not my path and because I don't want to disrespect it. Okay. Um, That's a lot of people's paths. A lot of people I know. Um, a lot of people in my family, a lot of friends, and I just don't have the same path. So I can't really speak to that, but, um, and it's a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. But for me, I was in that place of, I was using alcohol. I I always want to say this, I'm not trying to box people in, but I want to say I was using it like everybody else. And I always question, should I say that? Because then you're just assuming, but I think it's important to say that. I was using alcohol pretty much like I saw everybody else using it. And that was um, drinking quite a bit, but not, you know, you're not like unable to do anything. But yeah, I would drink a lot. I would get drunk. Um, it, It would be like, oh, don't you want that glass of wine at the end of the day? And I just, I was consistently over the course of five years um, growing tired of it. I was feeling horrible. It didn't feel like me. The only thing I can compare it to is it felt like there was a screen door or a fog. Yeah. And my whole life was on the other side of it. Yeah. If I could just quit this one thing. And I loved this one thing. I I love it. I have an addictive personality. I love to drink. I love to party. I love to dance. It it just it suited me very well. And I just thought it, it was just a knowing. It's that knowing. I knew I had to get rid of it if I wanted to be the person I wanted to be. And so it was a long journey, and I finally decided that I was going to completely quit. And when I made that decision, I never looked back. I've mm. been sober for three years. I think a lot of people think I'm in recovery because I use the word sober. Mm. My mom is in recovery, and she's like, but you call, say sober. And I'm like, well, by definition... <laughs> That's what I am. And also, I freaking love that word. Yeah. It's very powerful. Yeah. And so I like I like the power of words. And yeah. so I'm going to use that word. And um, that's okay if people are confused by it. I think we have, as a society, especially as women, this idea that we're supposed to slog through life. That everything is a chore and that we deserve a treat at the end of the day for just existing. And... Yeah. I really kind of bought into that, you know, and like wine and, you know, wine and brunch and mimosas and da, 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 and all the things. And it just like, it's another form of identity. Like, look at me. I'm somebody that likes to drink champagne at brunch and I like to drink beer on boats. And it's just, I was like, is this who I am? Or am I just like a sheep to an, a huge multi-billion dollar industry, by the way? That's another conversation. But... I really started resenting the idea that I believed that my best part of my day was pouring a glass of wine. Because mm-hmm. I did believe that. And I started envisioning waking up in the, on Saturday mornings and going to yoga. Never did that. Waking up and you know going on trips where I didn't worry about what 
I was going to drink, go into the beach without being buzzed. Like, what would that be like? And since I got sober, I can tell you everything has been so much better. I cannot believe that that was the biggest highlight of my day and my week. I not only teach Saturday mornings now, but I'm up every morning probably by five. I'm living the life that I want to live. I go to you know, Zion and I go to all these national parks and I hike and I travel and it's like, I am having an experience and living a life instead of looking for the restaurant Mm. or the bar, because Mm. that's what the trip was before. Where's the bar? Yeah. And there's a lot of added benefits to it too. If my kids come get me in the middle of the night, they can come get me in the middle of the night. You know, there's a lot of, um, things that come along with it but it really cleared the path for me yeah I appreciate your permission to define sober for yourself because I never thought to do that (laughs) which is crazy because I'm always like do it your way but I just I always just assume like I don't feel like if I was going to give up alcohol that I identify with that identity of someone in recovery and so I just and I too have many people in my family very close to me who um, are in recovery and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, um, but you just totally busted it wide open for me that I can, like, <laughs> I can define it how I want to define it. So thank you. And that's part of our conversation. Everybody else is going to define it for yep. you anyway. They're going to believe <laughs> so, what they believe. Yep. They're going to think what they think. Yeah. I don't, I can't, I can't worry about that. Yeah. I'm going to say it how I want to say it. And it's amazing. Um, I can tell you in the three years I've been sober, I would say 20 to 30 people have reached out to me wanting the same thing. Yeah. It's not just me. This is a thing that we're all kind of, not all, but some of us are playing around with, experimenting, like this idea of wanting more, this idea of thinking that maybe drinking less would be good. And some of them have been really close friends, and some of them have been people that I haven't talked to in 20 years, and some of them have just been people that found me through a podcast or Instagram yeah. and it's beautiful conversations. You don't have to have a reason yeah. to quit something you don't want to do. Yeah. And I've found the more that I do this like spirit guide journeying and things like that, I am in an altered state. Me too. <laughs> so much <laughs> that I just need some water. I just need a big fucking glass of water. Me too. I'm like, this got way weirder <laughs> yeah. than anything I ever drank. <laughs> totally. Like this like, I can't actually got put weird. more substances into <laughs> right now. Because I don't know what will happen. It's so funny. Um, on that note, and then we'll wrap up because okay. I know you gotta go. Um, we so Janelle, have I talked to you about the Clares? I like how you said it like me. The Clares. The Clares. <laughs> I feel like you have, but I don't remember what it is. Okay, so Brooke and I, we are kind of obsessed with the Clares. And it's basically, I'm going to let you explain it, because I think you've done more research research than I have. I've researched Research. quite a bit. <laughs> um, so the Clares are your senses. Like the, people would call them your psychic senses. I don't think the word psychic is um, used as much anymore, because people have a negative con- connotation. They envision someone with a magic eight ball and like... <laughs> you know, Ooh, let me tell you future. <laughs> so it's, um, <clears throat> it's your intuitive senses and they are connected to these kind of out there elements. But before I explain what they are, we all have them. They come 
um, with us from birth. We tap into them better when we're children, and then we lose them, especially if you're clairvoyant, which I'll get into in a minute, but clairvoyant is like, I see dead people, right? So Mm -hmm. it's not really that, but that's what people think it is, and so it's kind of... You know, if you if you are clairvoyant as a child, especially that might get squashed, or you might not know what your sense is. But it's essentially how your intuition works best, and we all have it. We all tend to usually lose it, and then we can train it. We can bring it back. And knowing what yours is is incredibly helpful. You know, if you're on this particular life, it'd be helpful for anybody, but it's especially helpful if you're on this more spiritual path. Mm-hmm. And so clairvoyance, everybody's heard of. That's clear seeing. That's essentially when you see, um, I wouldn't say what's going to happen, but it's a personal thing. So it's like, it's that knowing or that intuition about you and your life. So you might see a vision of something that's going to happen, or you might see the street that you need to turn down. It's more visual. And so it can come to you in the mind's eye. Very rarely do you see dead people. That's diff- that, that does happen, but that would be like a medium. But this is more, we're talking about everyday things. So if you were in a meditation or before you fell asleep, if how you get those intuitive hits is through a visual that's clairvoyant then there's um clairaudience which i have which is a voice so maybe you hear a bell or a ring or you transmit information through your head like if you're driving you hear stop before the traffic jam it's just what are those intuitive hits that you get this isn't like super crazy woo woo it's where how does your intuition speak to you and so um there's clairvoyance, clairaudience. There's actually several of them. I'll just talk about a few of them. Clairaudience, um, I've heard um, a lot of information just through messaging, through voices in, in my in my head. And um, that's one that I'm really honing right now. And then there's clair, um, sentience, which is clear feeling. Like you feel it in your body. Like, you know, you just kind of know um, based on how you feel. Um, which is connected, it gets, it gets a little convoluted because then you get into being an empath and then you get into your gut instinct. And we all feel creeped out if we go to a haunted house. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit different than that. So Claire, sentience is that feeling and then Claire cognizance is clear knowing, which I also, that's probably my strongest one. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's also one that really drives me nuts because Claire... Claire uh, cognizance is just this knowing, and you don't know why you know. You can't really prove that you know. It might be proven later, but you just know it's going to rain tomorrow, or you just know that you know your kid's going to come home and have gotten in trouble. And those are small ver- versions, but for me, I know if you're not being truthful. I know it, and I know it, and I know it, and whatever version, that doesn't mean you're lying to me, but I know if you're withholding or if you're not telling me the whole story. And you have to have a lot of integrity, and you have to be ethical in these practices because you can't just say, you know what, I have this intuitive power, (laughs) and I know that you're bullshitting me right now. You have to respect people where they are. You use it for yourself. And, um, And there's some other ones. It's like people can smell things or taste things or it kind of gets wacky woo from there. But it's essentially, where do you get your guidance and what is your internal intuitive system? I love it because so many times, you know, we're obviously trained through our schooling and the Western Western world, the Western system. Um, 
for how to intellectualize everything. Mm-hmm. And there's this whole other brain yes. that exists within us. And a lot of times when I'm talking to people and I'll say like, what, well, what is your inner wisdom? What does your inner truth tell you? And they'll be like, I have no fucking idea what you're asking me right now. <laughs> I'm like, cool. And I, I love this invitation of like, we all have the ability to have intuition and it can come through in a lot of different ways. And so um, we have been playing with like, okay, what's my Claire? Because I used mm-hmm. to always think, oh, well, I don't see visions. I don't hear voices. So like, I must not be like special, you mm-hmm. know, but that's not true. It's mm-hmm. just the way that I um, get hits of intuition and inner wisdom is through the knowing and the feeling. Those are mine. Um, and so I love that I've been able to play with you on this. Janelle, what do you think you are? I would say knowing and feeling mm-hmm. too. Yeah, that's I just that's have what that Lottie where is. I'm like, the people are like, well, why should we do it? I'm like, I don't know. I just know it's going to be yeah, a good idea. Totally. Like, and not, <laughs> yeah. not in an uneducated way, but I'm like, I don't know. I just, or like, or I know it's going to be a bad idea. Like I yep, just right. have those in- yeah, hits yeah. and then I'm like, I just can't, yeah. I have no proof, no evidence, but, but <laughs> I know. I'm going to do it. Or I'm not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I just feel like I know. Yeah. I know. And that's, and that's what it is. A lot of this is super subtle. So this kind of stuff freaks people out. They're like, oh, like this is just, you know. Yeah. You can like read my you mind. You can read my mind. Yeah, no, no. Like a lot of it is subtle. You're not even understanding that you're picking it up. You have to really focus to learn what it is that you have. So, like with Claire Audience, I just I can. It's almost like a conversation in my head. It's not anything like you should yeah. do this today. <laughs> you know? This is your Claire speaking. Although I have had two experiences, two I've had two really big experiences, and that's another way that you figure out what your Claire is. Is you've usually had two of. Two or three in your lifetime of the booming experiences. I for sure have had that. And so I had a voice speak to me twice. Mm. And that's how you kind of also figure out what you are. Otherwise, it's super, 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 super subtle. Yeah. And it's that's why we miss it. Yeah. And just like somebody, you know, you the if you're clairvoyant, which I am not at all, it's not like you're just walking around in the grocery store and looking at everybody's ghosts, like that lady on TLC or whatever. Yeah. Um, no, it's like it's tiny little. It's how you process. It's like the movie yeah. in your mind. Yeah, I've been. There's a woman that I need to send your way. Um, her name is Bree, and she has like a, a a whole like workshop, 10 week workshop intensive where you can start to really hone in on your unique intuition and through this. And, um, and it, what she said in there is we all have all of it, just like you said. And we usually tend towards one for whatever reason, it doesn't really matter. And the more that you lean into it and practice and strengthen that muscle, all of them actually start to... I would agree with yeah. that. Yeah. And I'm working right now on visual. I um, I can visualize, I especially like guided meditations, guided visualizations, but it can get hard for me. Like if a meditation's going fast and they're like, now open the box mm. and what do you see? I'm like, oh, I don't know what I see. <laughs> I have no fucking idea what I see. This is really stressing me out. And everybody else is like, you know, pulling something out of their box. Yeah. And I'm like, God, no, I don't know. And so, um, or a lot of people will do um, their f- intuition of like close your eyes and just and think. 
And what's the first picture that comes into your brain? I'm working on that. That doesn't really... Mine's more of like a... It just is... The information flows through my my head like a conversation. Yeah. And so, yeah, honing... Like, focusing and, like, fine-tuning all of them is super fun. Yeah. Well, and, like, again, when you... There's so much we don't know, right? In the world. Like, so much. And with quantum physics and a whole bunch of stuff that I don't know enough about but what I do know is that there's a lot more research and conversations being had around the subtleties of the the human experience and to play from it to play with it from that place can be really fun and like for me with you I now have this field notes journal and so if yes. I have like a hit of knowing I'll just write it down write and then down. I'll be like oh that one came true that one came true oh I knew that I wasn't supposed to do that and I did it anyways and then I continued to do it for about three weeks <laughs> it got worse yep and I now remember what it felt like when it happened the first time so I can tr- I can actually trust that feeling because something in me knew even though my brain was trying to convince me otherwise and so to be able to then go into the next situation and pay attention to what that had felt like and to trust it a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Again, not because I'm trying to like, you know, peer into other people's lives, but more so so that I can, yeah, so that I can know myself more and know the path that I'm supposed to walk and the step that I'm supposed to take. Um, And that's how I use it. And it gets really difficult because your brain is telling you a whole different story. And so emotion comes into play here. So what what feels good, your intuition, even if it's, oh, something bad might happen, you're going to feel a calm and a peace around it Mm -hmm. versus your mind is going to jack up your emotions pretty bad. That's what the mind does unless it's on a logical path of problem solving. Yeah. And, and so trying to learning to differentiate and then also remembering we have free will. I'll get an intuitive hit and do the complete opposite because I don't want to do it Mm -hmm. or because I don't care or because I'm not ready. And that's the practice is and that's so playing important. with it. It's fine. Because we have the ability to do that. Well, and for me to feel what it feels like to not follow that is huge. Yes. Because then I can see, okay, this is what it feels like when I don't follow that that information. And okay, that didn't feel great. And this is how it manifested physically in my body. I actually had like it felt like I had rocks in my stomach and that I was carrying them for like a month. And when I finally started listening to it, they went away like that. Yeah, and, and so, so will physical pain and all this yeah. stuff manifest. You you manifest these smaller if you ignore your intuition and your desire and your feelings and your wants and who you are, it will manifest over time into big, malleable, see it, touch it, taste it, smell it, energy. Mm-hmm. A true manifest manifestation in your life. Yep. So it's what you were talking about earlier that is harder to tap into, which is the fun stuff, which is the subtle energy. So working with the subtle energy early, trying to see how it is before you wake up one day and you're in a back brace. Yeah. Yeah. Or you have all of these issues because you ignored and 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 if you ignore the subtle energy and you ignore and you ignore and I'm talking for years. I'm not saying like you're gonna Yeah keel over and die in three weeks or anything I'd be dead trust me but like if you ignore and you ignore who you are who you are who you are what you want what you think what your hits are what that's your inner voice that is you that's your higher self so if you if you ignore the subtle it will get louder Mm -hmm. 
And it will show up in every area of your life outside of you. It will show up in your in your relationships and in your job and in your day-to-day and in your drive to work and in your body. And and it's beautiful how that happens. It's a good, beautiful thing. Yeah, totally. Janelle, are you like, wackadoos? <laughs> no, I'm just floating down the river. Yes, you are. <laughs> I can hear it in your voice. You're yeah. going downstream, baby. Oh my God, I'm listening it. to listen and not to respond. I love it. Okay, we could talk about this for ages, and I freaking love it. Um, and I will put in the show notes the Brie woman and her program. Cause if anyone's interested in also that, do that, yeah, there's a free one that I'm actually like halfway through right now. She does like a, an hour and a half workshop that just like gives you like an inroad. Um, and then obviously we'll share your information. So if anyone wants to reach out to you, they can as well. Um, but before we do that, my favorite question, what is one word, um, that you would use to describe how you live your true North? Passionately. Passionately. Yeah. Ooh. We get different ones every single time. It's never the same. It's good. Cool. Um, okay, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, so um, website is www.brookconley. My name is B-R-O-O-K-E-C-O-N-L-E-Y. And um, I just went live with my website today. Woo-hoo. Congrats. So, That's a big feat. It is. And uh, sometimes you just have to push publish. Yes. You know? And yes. I've had, I've had others, but this one I did myself. And so there's a few things that probably need to be edited and tweaked, but we going to get there when mm-hmm. we get there. So the website. And then um, I am very active on my personal Instagram, which is Brooke two underscores Conley. And I will be moving all of my meditation. I've been doing kind of everything on my personal page. And now I'm moving everything over to Brooke Conley Flow. So that's really a good one to join me. Um, to join me at the Brooke Conley Flow if you want to continue conversations like this. Cool. Because that's where all that's going to start going down. I love it. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. Yeah, nice. Thank you. <laughs> this was so fun. I know, right? Yeah. Thank you so much. This was just amazing. I could talk to you ladies yes. forever. We're going to have you back This has been another episode of the True North Collective podcast. For more from Rachel and I, check us out on Instagram at the True North Collective underscore. And if you like what you heard today, leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time.